rushing mighty wind The Holy Ghost begin to be poured out upon all men This is that Spoken by the prophet Joel This is that Spoken by the prophet Joel everyone this is the tell like it is radio broadcast here tonight uh filling in for pastor bob simons will be myself uh at seth springer and tonight we have special guests with us kyle stoldorf kyle if you want to say there you go as kyle kyle what kyle is going to be doing tonight um uh during the broadcast tonight during the tell like it is radio show is he's going to be sharing his testimony of what god has done in his life uh what all god has brought him through uh, and from, and just kind of his history of getting into the church. Uh, yeah, um, I guess I w- I'd like to to just kind of go through kind of how, how it began for me and kind of the rocky road I went through to come to, to God and uh, and really how um, it all just it all just turned out right in the end here. So far, things just keep getting better and the miracles just keep happening in my life. And I'm really I'm really excited to to share this here. Praise God. We have a, a good show in, in, in store for you tonight. Uh, if you want to get involved with the broadcast, you sure can. You can give us a call tonight. Uh, Pastor Simons, uh, you can text him tonight. Uh, he's going to be 
Uh, I think he's over the air over America somewhere tonight uh, during the show. But 701-290-7862 is the number you can text us at tonight. Or you can call us in studio. We will be taking your calls. 701-225-5133 is the number for that. Or if you'd like to email us, just let us know where you're listening from. If you call or email or text uh, and how you heard about us, you can also email us, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast uh, put on every Sunday night uh, by the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson. After this song, we're going to come back. Uh, into Kyle, Brother Kyle Stoldorf's testimony.
Well, good evening, everyone. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight. In place of Pastor Simons, who will be back next week, uh, will be myself and Brother Kyle Soldor from our church here in Dickinson. Just want to say hi uh, to Carl and Jeannie listening out in Michigan tonight. Um, and then there's also the Hussies, uh, excuse me, the Hussies, my family, my in-laws listening down in Indiana. Uh, just they, they texted us, let, let us know that they were listening. But tonight we have special guest, uh, Brother Kyle Stordorf. He's actually my brother-in-law. And uh, Kyle, like, we're going to start with your testimony of where God's brought you from. Um, can we start, let's start right at the beginning. Brother Kyle, where were you, you're born in your early, early years? Well, I was born in uh, a small town kind of up in the Central Valley of California called Livermore. Um, didn't live there long. I was probably not even a year when we moved down into Southern California. Um, densely populated area. Um, San Bernardino, the city, isn't isn't real big as far as popular, but all the cities around it that are connected all together. Right. It's basically for you know, looking at five, six hundred thousand people. You know, um, a lot of a lot of uh, diversity, a lot of you know culture, things like that. Um, <clears throat> Of course, I, as long as I can remember, for as far back as I can remember, both my parents were drug addicts. Now, that's that's not they weren't always that way because I because I'm the, I'm the youngest of of six. Like my, my or yeah seven. My, my mom's got three. My dad's got three, and then they had me together. But I'm a lot younger than the rest of them, so I was almost like an only child kind of. But when I hear the stories from them t- that they tell, they don't they say it wasn't always that way, you know. But as far as I can remember, that's how it was. Right. Um, right. Uh, I mean, we moved all around. You know, um, I think I went to the same school maybe two years in a row. That's it until until high school anyway. Um, moved to motels. I remember staying in probably three different motels for long periods of time. Um, so your parents were uh, drug addicts. Was there any church history of going to church or anything with God or any? type of religious background during that years or those years no the only time we really went to church um was when if my grandma came and got came and got me and took me it was usually kind of easter or something like that but um like but my family like my mom's side like her mom and her uncle they're they were all pentecostal you know like my uncle he was a pentecostal preacher in california and then they all my great grandpa and great grandma they were pentecostal they raised them all that way but somewhere that changed that, that broken so it wasn't in the in the in the family anymore. My dad, he claimed to be uh, an atheist or an agnostic after he got back from Vietnam. He was a vet, so there was no real anything like that. So, but um, you know, mom claimed that she was she believed in God and things like that. But dad completely, he I mean, he completely, you know, was was totally. I don't know how you say it. Like, didn't know either way. You know, right? So. Right, your teenage years. Uh, what were those like growing up? Well, early teens, man, early teens. It was it was rough. It was a rough go. I mean, drugs were all around. Like my siblings did drugs. Everybody. I mean, I started smoking marijuana with my parents. You know, when I was real young, probably twelve, thirteen. Um, and we were so poor. We lived in an abandoned house before we moved. So before we lived, but right before we moved to Montana, California, we lived in a house that didn't have power, didn't have electricity, nothing like that. So we'd run power from the neighbor's house with a cord to our place, or water from there out from theirs, run it backwards into our house, so we'd have water in it and stuff. But um, so I was pretty much trying to take care of myself. So there was a lot of breaking and entering, burglaries. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, 
car theft, all those kind of things to, you know, to feed ourselves. And it was almost like we, it, and when, when, when you're in that situation as a young, as a young kid like that, you, you group up with other kids that are in the same situation. Like their parents are in the same way. They're going through the same thing. And that's, you know, that's pretty much how, how gangs are formed, if you want to say that, you know. And I was well on my way. I mean, there was no doubt about that. Um, and then my dad told me, when he moved us out of, the, out of there, he's like, look, things are getting bad. I wasn't going to school. I was, was refusing to go to school and just doing whatever I wanted to do. And he, what, was, what was the time, time this, period of this? How this is about 1994. I was about 14. Um, and he, so he had this old truck. This vehicle he had it was this old 64 Chevy. He sold it for $500. Put me and my mom on a bus, gave me 50 bucks, and he said, I'll see you in a few months. And he shipped us out to Montana where we moved my, to live with my aunt for a while. And uh, we stayed there for a while. Things things started off a little rough. You know, it was like it was a culture shock, but I never seen anything like it. You know, it was a small town. It was, I mean, there might have been 1,200 people in that town from a town of 500,000. So, um, so right away, I, I didn't fit in. So, I, I mean, I started to hang out with the other kids that didn't fit in too, you know, same type of thing. Um, started getting in trouble right away, you know, still drinking alcohol and, and, and smoking marijuana and stuff like that. Um, um, so the situation never improved in your teenage Not as for me, you know, I mean, life, had, the, the lifestyle had got better, but okay. my outlook on things was still the same. Was there know? any run in with God or? No, not really. No, nothing like that. I mean, there was a, I guess a couple of years later, this is after, after I had gotten in some trouble, I had broken into a school and vandalized the school and stuff and uh i got in some trouble and it cost my, my dad some money and my mom's money we, we were so poor you know they had to pay restitution for me and everything it, it was kind of woke me up you know like um i need to stop being this way i need to get my stuff together here and so i buckled down and started doing pretty good in school but during that time i i met a, a pastor he moved in across the street from us and uh i became friends with his daughter is what happened and then right. you know so i started going to church but it wasn't like i didn't go to church for for God, it was because you know his daughter, really. So, right, um, right. And so this is this is your teenage years here in, in a small town, Montana. Here, yeah. This is this would be early early teens. Um, and then my my grades got started to improve. Man, I made like a, I got into a, I got a letter for academics. You know, okay. You know, my, that was probably my sophomore year. Things were looking pretty good, man. I was playing football. I was getting involved in the community a little bit. You know, um, but then. You know, things started happening. I started. I was always still drinking a lot. You know, my times off, and if it wasn't football season, I was just doing whatever I wanted. So, but then um, I turned when I turned sixteen. That's when uh, I first started to do math, and my mom introduced it to me. You know, she's like, "You want to? Yeah. yeah, you want to try some of this?" You know, but it wasn't like here, take this. You know, ah ha ha type thing. You know what I mean? It's like a she's my mom. You know, let's let's have a good time together type of thing. Like I don't know, it's just it's weird. Um, <laughs> So she, your mom introduced you to right. Dad. She yeah okay. for the first right. for the very first time. And I, I mean we used to, and I also and I stayed up for three days playing video games, man, for three days straight. That's what I did. What else are you gonna do when you're 16? You know, so that's all, that's, all, that's what we did. But um, my dad was was selling marijuana. You know, I was peddling marijuana for my dad in high school. Um, was selling around town. That's just how it was for us. It wasn't like I didn't think anything was was out of the ordinary you know it was like normal life for us so um so and then um 
that's what I do. That's when I started doing other drugs. You know, I started doing you know, pretty much anything I get my hands on, um, ecstasy, you know, LSD, psychedelics, things like that. So, wow. um, so this isn't this is coming into your later teenage years. Yeah, we're getting in. Yeah, we're getting okay, like sixteen to eighteen. Wow. And so your mom introduced you to meth, and then you just from there on it just kind of yeah. built and built, and it quickly became my drug of choice. I mean, I was staying up for. You know, for days at a time, five, six days at a time on this on these drugs. Still going to school, still functioning. Like it was almost like I don't know. It's almost like um, it was just in my blood, man. It was weird. It's just weird that way. So, but then, uh, and I we stayed there and things. So I graduated high school, got a job in town, and was kind of selling drugs out of the place I worked. You know, um, I worked. In, it was a pretty good. It was a pretty sweet. I mean, I don't want to get too in, into it too much, you know, but. Sure. It was a sweet gig for somebody that wanted to do what I was doing, you know. Um, and then, uh, so this, I, you're now you're in your early twenties here. My late teens, still my late teens, early twenties, yeah. And then I got in trouble there for some for theft. I ended up stealing from the place I was working for, you know, so, you know, help my habit and things like that. But right. and then, 2002, my oldest son was born, so I'm 22 now. I don't have a job. Lost my job. Um, Did you spend any time in jail for the theft or? Uh, no, I didn't. But later on, I went to jail for a warrant for not paying the fines on that theft. Okay. But so life's just kind of going down. Yeah, it's down real down. fast, man. And my cousin shows up to town and he says, "Hey, man, I, I'm going to start a concrete business out in uh, Dickinson. If you want to come, and I'll pay you. I'll pay you a decent wage, or whatever. And you can just try to get your life back." I was still living at my parents' house. And I was 22 years old. You had a son. Yeah, he was like my oldest son was two months old, and we just packed everything we had. And back with my cousin's truck and moved out here. And uh, well, I didn't. I mean, that that didn't work out. You know, the the concrete business didn't work out, and I just kind of fell into a funk, man. I didn't really do anything. Just kind of laid around, um, didn't even look for a job. Just lived off <laughs> public housing, things like that. Me and my wife. But right. So you were married at this time? No, I wasn't actually. I didn't. I shouldn't have said that. Was my she was my girlfriend at the time. But we ended up getting married later on. Um, and that was, and she was drug addicted too. I mean, it, it was just a bad situation. We were like, I was fire and she was gas. You know, it was just everything. We were just at each other's throat all the time, fighting. We, could, I mean, everything we did was a was a disaster. You know, but um, but we, I, I loved her. It's I thought I did. You know, right. and she loved me as one of them young. What you do when you're young, but um, right. So now you're this. You're in Dickinson here. You have a son. You're you're living with a girl. Right. And uh. So life's just going downhill kind of for you, just drugs and, and strung out and whatnot. You know, let's hold it right there. We'll go to a song here. We'll come back after a break here. Just stay tuned. Tell like it is. Show tonight with uh, special guest Cal Stoldorf. Yeah. 
Good evening, everyone. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight, filling in for Pastor Robert Simons, or Bob Simons, with myself, Seth Springer, and, and special guest tonight, uh, Cal Stoldorf, be giving his testimony of what God has done in his life, what God has brought him out of, uh, a, a, a growing up years of drug and alcohol abuse and, and a rough family life. Uh, and if you want to get involved with the program tonight, feel free to give us a text. Uh, you can text Pastor Simon, 701-290-7862, or give us a call in studio, 701-225-5133. Let's get back to the questions here. And we were we were just discussing, you know, you, your, Kyle, your move. You had just moved to Dickinson. Your cousin had a concrete business. He was kind of starting it up. You were moving there. And uh, the question was asked during the break here. We have a, in studio of a few uh, men of our church. Um, uh, who were here, and one of the questions was asked by Brother Phil. He said, uh, "Kyle, did you um, did you ever feel what you were doing was like spiritually wrong? Was there ever any uh, spiritual anything in your mind like this was morally wrong, drugs, and this lifestyle you were living?" Um, no, like I was saying, I guess when we were off air, that I didn't really have any uh, real idea about salvation or or hell or you know. I mean, I knew right from wrong, but I, I didn't know the in-depth of it all, like as far as, you know, eternity and things like that, um, which I guess I would think that's kind of a, almost like a good a good thing because then it wasn't burning in my mind. Like like I said, I, I have good friends that were that, that were that, that were backsliders and I don't know, really kind of sent their mind into into places that they never came back, you know, so... Right. Okay. Um, so now, in this this point of your life, this is your early twenties. You're living in Dickinson, North Dakota. Drugs, alcohol abuse is going on. You and your your uh, girlfriend, wife, not yet. I guess have a son, a young son, and and drugs. And if you just want to continue on from there, so okay, we'll go to 2005 is when um, I started using meth real heavy again. Uh, like I was doing it off and on the whole time, but 2005 I started hitting really hard, and then. Uh, me and my girlfriend at the time, I were, we, had a, we had an apartment together, and we got into a big fight. And we were both we had both been strung out for quite a while, and she was going to take my son with her, and I wasn't going to let her, and it turned into a big fight. Well, then social services got called, the cops got called, and um, my son was removed from the house from our home that time, that time too for for five months. He went to his uncle's out in Montana, and um, and at that point, I. I told myself that I was never going to use drugs again, and I had gotten clean that very day. I remember that date. It was uh, February 18th, 2005, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I was going to relate. Uh, well, I told myself I was going to relate doing math and doing drugs with the pain I felt from them taking my son away. So, And, and things got pretty good. I mean, we, I ended, up, we, I, we ended up getting married, me and, me and my ex-wife, and we... Um, I mean, we got we bought a house together. I started a new job, a good job in the oil field, you know. Um, I got vehicles, nice things, you know. We were everything was everything seemed good, you know. And um, and, that, and I was clean for probably about five years. Um, I was, I, I mean, I, I thought things were going as well, but apparently, you know, she was using when I was when I was I wasn't, you know. I was gone for periods of time. And for work, and I'd come home and think everything was fine, but you know, obviously it wasn't. And um, but in 2010, well, 2009, my my second son was born, Kyler. Um, this is your late 20s here. Yeah, we're we're talking very late 20s, almost okay. in my 30s. So, okay. Okay. and um, 
then the very next year, 2010, my dad passed away. And uh, I was real close to my dad, and he was like like my best friend, really. Even though, you know, all the stuff I talked about before, I mean, that was just normal to me. So, right. And he was always there for me. That's one thing I could say about him. He was always there, I mean, no matter what was going on. But And from the time, the day my dad died on that Sunday, to the day we put him in the ground on that Saturday, the next Saturday, I mean, it was, it was go, go, go nonstop. I didn't, I didn't stop getting high until it was probably that Monday when I couldn't, I couldn't stay awake anymore. And, um, from there, I mean, my career started to suffer. I mean, I, I was moving up the chain on, you know, at this, at this, at this company and, um, wasn't making it to work, you know, after a while, pretty soon it was, I was late if I was there. And if I was there, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. You know, I was getting high in the bathroom or or wherever I could get high without somebody seeing me. Um, and this went on for a while. I mean, eventually, um, I didn't show up one day, and he's like, "Well, actually, before that, I came. I came to work, and I was I was strung out bad, and it was like, and I went the whole week that way. And the day I left, the tool pusher was my friend. I had been I had been working with this guy for probably five years at this point, six years. Right. And he says, look, and he, and he, he, he used to do the same thing, you know, back in his day, but he's like, look, I know what's going on. Um, if you, if you, if you like this next week, when you come back, don't even bother coming back. I was like, Oh man. So I cleaned up, you know, for the week, I had a week to get all of my system because you know, he's kind of learned the ways of it. You know, it doesn't last very long in your system and stuff. So the next week I came back and I was up in the, up there and i seen that the cars pull up you know the big wigs and the drug testers and i'm like oh here we go and uh so we sent we sent the new guy down first so you go down there first you know get tested first and he comes down there and he comes back and he says no well kyle they want you first and i was like oh man you know here we go but I, and i went down there and i peed for him and it, they watched me and everything it was kind of weird but um <laughs> yeah i mean i passed you know i knew i knew the ins and outs so uh so you passed a drug the drug test, test in front of the. You were on drugs. No, I I cleaned up for a week. Oh, okay. Yeah, it only takes a few days okay. for that particular drug anyway. But um, it was embarrassing, you know. It really was, and then I kind of had a. I was kind of marked at that point, you know. They kind of were watching me, and they knew that you were. Yeah, but I, and I started doing it again a few weeks later, you know, just trying to be more slick. But it's it's usually obvious, you know, when somebody's bouncing around or running around or. You know, being busy doing nothing or whatever, you know, whatever their, their thing is. But um, right, so this is your late twenties, early thirties here. Yeah, as we're 30s. talking, yeah, we're early thirties. Okay. Um, this this is just a few years ago, really. Okay. Um, and, and during this time, was there was there any uh, you know coming to God or any type of anything religious or not really awakenings, nothing. Not really, man. I, I think I, I bought a cross on a, on a necklace and wore it, you know. <laughs> right. That's about it, man. I mean, it was pretty much just a fashion for me. But, I mean, it, it's it's really it's really sad to say, but that's what just what it was. You know, to me, I don't know, religion was something that, or even faith was hard for me to grasp, you know. Right. Um, so, but anyway, and then I, I tried to get clean and stuff like that, and but the, my wife was... At the time, was she was way bad into it, and every time I would come home from work, social services would be at the house asking me about, you know, my wife using drugs and this and that. Why is she hanging out over here? And I'm thinking, man. So I talked to her. I said, look, 
if you're going to keep doing that, then we're gonna, you're going to have to go, you know, bottom line. So this is 2012, so I'm 32 at the time. And you're trying to clean up here? Trying, but it's a, it's a struggle. I can't okay. quite, you know, I, I can't shake it, man. It's, it. it's got to hold me bad. So, right. um, and she's addicted real bad too. And she's, she's built the same things I'm dealing with just in her own way, you know? Um, so that, and I got home that Monday, I got home, we got in a fight. She was spun out, you know, and I said, all right, you got to go or whatever. She's like, she already had the, the van packed. She knew we, it was gonna, we were going to blow out. So she grabbed the, my youngest boy. He was, um, three at the time, took him. My oldest boy wasn't home. She went and grabbed him from, I think he was at some of his friends or his cousin's house, grabbed him and then took off. Right. So I went that whole week off. Couldn't get a hold of her. Didn't know where she was at. Went back to work. And that last day at work, so it had been two weeks, I get a call from from her cousin asking me if I'm going to come pick my kids up. And I said, well, I didn't even know where they were at, you know. Um, he's like, yeah, they're here. So instead of me going down there and things getting ugly, I just I just called the county. I was like, look, she's banning the kids. I pretty much turned her in, you know. Right. Um, but um, so, and then there, there again, I lost them two boys again. Now, in 2005... I kind of I kind of missed this. I, I did a drug treatment at that point, okay. But I had already decided before I went to that drug treatment that I wasn't going to do drugs anymore. So, and it was a 28 day inpatient. You know, I had to be there seven hours a day or whatever it is for 28 days. Right. Um, didn't really. I mean, that, that that stuff just. I never thought that was for me. You know, the drug the treatment thing. So at this point, I'm at treatment again. So this is my second go around in treatment. Um, then I'm pretty much high the whole time, man. I mean, I'm going in there just spun out of my head, and they're telling on, me on treatment. You were in treatment, yeah. Okay. And they're and they're telling me, if, you know, how great I look, and I'm I'm sober, and they're so proud of me and everything. And I'm like, oh man, I'm pretty good at this. You know, at this point, I'm thinking I'm pretty good at this. Now I got this, you know. So, um, at this point, I got the the boys are going to their homes and coming home with me on the weeks I'm home. They got to go away and come home. So, um, because the social service got involved, so they wanted me to do another treatment. I just had to. They come up with these lists for you to do, you know. And uh, so I, I did what they wanted me to do. Got the boys were coming home on the weeks gone. It's like I couldn't do it. It's like I was leaving and coming home, and then the boys were struggling. You know, they were crying every time I dropping them off. They're crying, and so um, and eventually I ended up with the job I was talking about. They said I was telling you about um, he's they fired me. I didn't show up. He said, "Well, all right, don't even you're done." So then then. I called him and I said, will you hire me back? Because I was at a pretty high position. He said, well, I'll hire you back, but you ain't going to get your position back. You're going to start off at the bottom again. I was like, oh, that's fine. As long as I got, you know, I got a job still. And, uh, and what, what year is this here? This is uh, 2012. 12. Yeah, okay. we're still 2012. So, so there, there again, my addiction cost me my, my career there. It cost me a marriage. I ended up getting divorced in 2012. Um. And at that time, I was blaming her for everything. You know, it was all her fault. It wasn't nothing to do with me. It wasn't my addiction. It was hers. You know, um, it was whatever it would take to make me sleep at night. You know, um, well, the whole time I'm, I'm using and you know just being stupid. But um, that's about a year. And then I, I, at this point, my addiction, I couldn't get along with anybody. You know, I was, I was just a, I was just a, a just a sour guy. You know, I couldn't get along with anybody. I was mean, nasty. I mean, ended up. Um, getting the blowout with the company man at the at the rig and told him how I felt about him and just walked off and quit, you know. 
And was, that was after you got rehired on. Yeah. And then your drug. Yeah. Still kind of helped you. Yeah, it was still the same. It was still I was still just yeah, just being a junkie really. Um, and uh, but I ended up finding another job in town where I could be home every day, um, which which worked better with the boys. You know, being as I was a single parent, I needed to be home all the time. Um, and this job, there was all kinds of people there, man. I started meeting all kinds of people that I, I should have known better than to get involved with. Um, but did anyway, like my habit. So I started, then I started at this point, this is 2013. I started selling drugs out of my house where my, my children were staying. And, uh, and it, and it was, it was enough to where it was definitely enough drugs to move in and out of that place to get, to attract the attention of the law. Cause they started watching me, you know, they, they, um, they were going through my garbage, you know, finding evidence or whatever, so they can raid me. Well, then there was a um, there was people coming in and out of that place. I mean, I mean, the worst of the worst, man. I'm talking thieves and liar. I mean, just just bad people, man. Fast women, man. I mean, just terrible. I mean, things were going fast, and I, I was ignoring my children. You know, I kept my room downstairs, and I had it blocked off. So they couldn't get in there. So I can just get high all day. I don't have to worry about them seeing me. Um, How old are your boys during this time? Man? They're uh, we're, we're looking at eleven and four at about this time. Yeah, 2013. There. Yeah. Okay. And I had a, I had a, uh, a gal living with me that was supposedly the nanny, you know, but sure. not really. Um, just kind of something that I thought was kind of clever. Um, right. And so and then so you're doing drugs. This is kind of your continued lifestyle for. From 2013 till well until I'm talking just probably from 2012 all the way through until the October of 2013 is when okay um, what well, happened there what was the, right now this is where this is where I really feel like there was some intervention in my life from God exactly from God okay. definitely um, out of this world a good a friend of mine I thought was a friend of mine ended up wearing a recording device during the transaction that I made with him. So he pretty much, what he had done was set the, got the ball rolling on my, on me finding this, this, uh, this truth, you know? Um, so it's like two days later I got raided, came into the house. Um, I wasn't there. Uh, I was at the jail, putting money on books on people that I knew that were in jail. Um, and, I, and it was, can you can you explain what that statement? We just putting money on books. Well, you know they they need money for a canteen or whatever. You just put money on there so they can spend it. Okay. Um, and I was in the parking lot and I see all these cops. They're lined up, you know, and I see them coming in and out of this building and they got their their assault rifles and everything. They're all in their fatigues and everything. And I was like, oh man, somebody's getting raided, you know. So I drive. I'm driving around, kind of looking, seeing where they're going, and I'm like, then it dawns on me, oh man, they're gonna raid me. So I turn around and I go back to drive on my house and they already got the armored truck in my front yard and there's car- cops everywhere. So I just keep driving, you know, right. well, then, they, then they pull me over. Well, what am I going to do? Pull in there. Hey, it's my place. No, <laughs> I just kept driving and they pulled me over and it wasn't a marked car and he had their, had their guns on me. I mean, it was like out of the movies, you know? Sure. And I'm like, Oh man, here we go. Gets me out, you know, and they search my truck and they don't find anything. They find a, like a machete in there and an empty, clean little empty baggie, you know? And he's like, what is this? You know? And I'm like, Nothing, I don't think. You know, I think you're kind of stressing because, but anyway, there I was. So took me to jail, questioned me, questioned me, questioned me. I told him I wanted a lawyer. They let me go. They leave me alone, you know. I don't know what's going on in my house. But they find, I mean, they find 
I mean, dozens and dozens of syringes. They find uh, residue baggies. They find, I mean, enough enough actual dope to put me away for a little while. Um, they find some scales. I mean, I'm pretty much incriminated for selling drugs. I got every, they got everything they need to to, to send me to prison. Um, or at least have a good case to do something to me. So I sit in jail for three or four months, three months actually, and then the state drops all the charges. And I'm like, okay. Well, then the very next day I get an indictment saying, oh, now the, the federal government wants to wants to pursue my case. And I'm like, oh, man. So then they tie me up with, um, and this whole time my sons are in foster care. I don't even know where they're at. And I'm sitting in jail. You know, this And this is the hardest thing out of all this stuff. This is probably the hardest stuff that I've been through. Is wondering why you know where my boys are and what's going on, and, and so you're sitting in in the in county jail in, in the Dickinson county, here? yeah, in the county okay. jail, and and wanting to talk to my sons, but not wanting them to know what ha- you know exactly what happened, you know, and they and they don't and they don't understand why they got took out of school and why they're in a new home and any of that stuff. So, um, it's just it's just some of the hardest things there when you're just sitting there with your thoughts, man. You're thinking about why why your life is how it is and why you can't seem to get your stuff together you know and why you have so much and you just want to throw it away for for nothing but um anyway all right yeah we can we can take a pause here uh we'll come back right after this break you're listening to the tell like it is radio broadcast here tonight uh this is seth filling in for pastor simons along with special guest uh brother kyle soldorf giving his testimony just a quick shout out here to the jordans from arkansas hello to the jordans miss you guys uh the woods and beulah and then also Bethany Dickey listening uh, out there in Belfield, out there in no man's land. But after this song, we'll come back with the rest of this testimony. In my heart and salvation In my soul It's a long road Yes, it's a long road Well, it might be a long road But I'll make it to the city someday Now, don't tell me no story About reincarnation I've never seen a holy cow Look anything like my Lord There's just one rebirth And there ain't no Yes, you can have it today It doesn't matter who you are You just got to get your feet on the rock Your name on the roll You get Jesus in your heart and salvation In your soul, it's a long road It's just outside Jerusalem Yes, and there's more than just a lake There's oceans of His saving grace I'm glad I got my feet on the rock Got my name on the roll I've got Jesus in my heart and salvation In my soul, it's a long road Yes, I know, it's a long road Well, it might be a long road But I'll make it to the city someday 
Well, good evening, everyone. This is the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight with Seth and Brother Kyle Stoldorf uh, giving his testimony tonight. What a powerful testimony of what God has done in, in somebody's life and what God can do in in a life. And here uh, we, we've heard Brother Kyle, his testimony so far is that God, or he, excuse me, he was strung out on drugs, just a bad lifestyle leading up to this. His boys have been taken, his, his marriage had fallen apart. Um, he's now sitting in jail, facing federal charges for uh, for drugs and distrib- distributing drugs and and whatnot. Sitting in jail, um, and that's where we're going to pick up. And so, uh, Kyle, where where was like the we'll, we'll ask this kind of where was the turning point, you know, of, of of life maybe coming to God now? Well, looking back now, I I, I think it was it was all it was all kind of set in motion. Like I had got myself so far gone. And I think there was some intervention there when, when God was like, okay, now this is what's going to happen and this is going to happen. So I got myself into jail and that was, at that point I was like, okay, something's got to change. I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm 32, 33 years old. I mean, I can't get my stuff together. I'm having a long time staying off of drugs, but, um, something draw me to that church service in jail. And, um, I was like, well, I ain't doing anything else, man. I gotta go. I gotta change my life, and maybe that's where it's at. So, I went in there, you know, and I seen Pastor Simons, and I seen an old friend of mine that was do, giving testimonies there, and and um, this old friend was a, a former drug buddy, yeah, kind of, yeah, at one time, yeah, um, okay. giving his testimony of, yeah, you know, and he would say, you know, how he he he'd sit there and tell us how he he was in our shoes at one point, and how he was, you know, in trouble and facing some 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 things too. And um, and then I met Pastor Simons, and I remember the service where it kind of it, it finally dawned on me. And he was he's looking at all of us, and he's like, um, "Well, how many of you guys are drug addicts? You know, are in here for drugs?" And and there we all are, man. There's probably fifteen, twenty of us in there, and there we all are like this, you know, with our hands up. Yeah. And I'm like, "Oh man," and he says, "Well, well you don't have to be that anymore." And right there, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not going to be that anymore," you know. And um, he said, "God, God, change your life. God'll, God'll put that in the past and give you a new life." And I, and I thought that's exactly what I need, you know. So at that point, it was like I started reading my Bible a little bit in jail, um, trying to get a grasp on it. Really didn't understand a whole lot of it, you know, but reading it anyway. Um, got out of jail. Um, Started to attend church at the New Life Pentecostal Church, um, Pastor Bob's church. You know, started to meet a lot of you guys. Um, really nice, nice people there. You know, that really care about uh, about your salvation. And um, but I, I mean, I had some. Ble- I still had my house. You know, which I was surprised. I thought that for sure they were going to foreclose it or something. You know, because I wasn't paying the mortgage. Um, I had a job. You know, my friend that I'd seen in jail gave me a job right away. Say I got a spot for you, man. We'll give you a job until you can find something else. Um, but then my life was in limbo because I, I got indicted by the feds. But my sentencing or my trial kept getting pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. So then I couldn't get my kids back. And uh, but I just knew I, I just had to stay. I had to keep my head down, work. I had to just keep keep coming to church, man. Keep keep um, focusing on God. And uh, right, and during this time. Um when you first came to church, did you receive the Holy Ghost? Uh, um, I had I, right away. There or? was okay. There was a 
people around me were talking in tongues. This is like my first service. And um, there was a little girl in front of me. She she had her hands up. She was Her lips were stammering, and I was going, what's going on, you know? And then my lips were stammering. And I, I can't say for sure if I got the Holy Ghost at that time. I mean, it wasn't evident. I didn't I didn't speak in tongues, so I, I can't tell you I did. But right. I definitely felt something there. Right. And I knew that, that this was real. I mean, I can tell right away. And um, Pastor Simons was gone that day. He showed up late that service that right. Wednesday. Yep. As soon as I seen him, I said, I asked him, hey, Pastor, can you, can you baptize me? And he says, okay, we'll do it this Sunday. And that was that March. I don't know the exact date, but it was that, I think it was March 5th or 12th or something. Uh, he baptized me in Jesus' name. And it was, wasn't, it wasn't too, it was shortly after that, maybe a month after that, I got the Holy Ghost. And I did, and it wasn't in, and the, this story is pretty good, this Holy, when I got the Holy Ghost. Um, so I was on probation with the, a pretrial probation with the, with the federal, um, system. And they were having me do drug tests up at the jail. They would just call me randomly and tell me, you gotta come up, you gotta be here in two hours. So I'd go up there. Well, I'm waiting, you know, I'm waiting in the waiting room there, the lobby of the jail, waiting for him to come and get me, and I'm reading my Bible on my phone. This is you had been coming to church for a little while. Yeah, this, I've been going for probably about a month and a half, two months maybe. Right. And this is, and I got baptized my second service at the church. So, and uh, I was reading Matthew, and uh, where Jesus is talking about, you know, I'm with you now, but and but later I'll be I'll be in you. Is what he's saying. Summing it up, you know, I don't really know the I'll slaughter it, but. And at that point, I don't really, something happens, and I'm, and I'm talking, I'm talking in tongues, and I, I don't really understand it. And I look over, and there's a guy, there's a guy sitting across. I think he's waiting to get alcohol test or something for his thing, and he's looking at me like, "What are you doing?" And I'm looking at him like, well, "What are you doing?" You know. <laughs> so and they come down and they give me, they give me my drug test. Everything's fine. I always pass them all, of course. But I just thought that that's a pretty you neat story. The Holy Ghost, yeah, in, right in the jail, waiting to get a, a urine test. Incredible. Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. So. Um, we talk about the mercy of God. That's, that's oh incredible. man, I tell you what, man, praise God for. I, I wasn't sure if I was, if I was, <laughs> chalked up to get the Holy Ghost or any of that. You know, yeah. I, I didn't know, man. Um, anyway, I just kept staying busy, doing things, man. I started going to AA meetings. Just, you know, I, I, I would like, I would like to say, you know, God healed me right away and this and that, and I, and maybe He did, but I knew I had to, I had to take steps to, I had to stay busy, I had to right. do things, keep right. my mind occupied from going back into drugs, so. So you were you were when you got out of jail you were clean you started coming to church oh, absolutely you were clean you got the that, Holy Ghost that jail service or that jail time I did gave me enough time to get my head straight when I got off of drugs so right. it was almost it was I mean everything all this stuff just fell together like like pieces of a puzzle bam 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 you know it's it when I look back now it's easy to see it you know just God setting up the puzzle oh exactly and at the time I thought oh man this is what a miserable existence I'm living in you know I'm like oh man. But things just kept getting better and right. better and better. You know, I started, I, I was spending my time wisely. I was going to AA meetings. I was, um, I did another treatment. See, before I went to get treatment this time, I, I was clean for a couple, couple of years. I told the guy, I'll, I don't, I don't really need treatment, man. I'm going to church. I'm clean now. I got, you know, God is, is, is good. He's keeping me where I need to be. And he's like, all right, we don't need, just go to meetings and you don't need to do treatment again. All right. So he calls me back. He says, well, I changed my mind. You need to come and do a couple of these 12 steps, you know. So I went and done it and took care of it. But um, like I said, I was doing meetings. I was doing Bible studies with you, actually, Yeah, once a week. Me. Yeah, we were playing. We were all playing basketball once a week. I was just keeping all my time, you know, I was lifting all these different things I was doing to keep myself uh, occupied. But this is these are all the tools God gave me. You know, these are all right. the things that, right. you know, it's, not, it's not, nothing I did or didn't do. 
it's you know it's it was all god who gave me the strength and carried Absolutely. me you know drug me through what oh man i'll tell you what i was in some i was in some miry clay man um but in this point, I wasn't seeing my kids. I was paying quite a bit of money in child support a month. I wasn't being able to see them, but twice a month, you know. Right. Right. And so, so God is just opening doors left and right. You're staying clean, and and uh, and, and so I mean, just one blessing right after another. God's straightening your life up. Absolutely. And, and um, so anyway, I met a girl, right? This girl. You might know her, yeah. Yeah. Um, sister, actually. You know, you give a guy yeah. a Bible study and he, and he marries your sister. So, oh, let's get out of the bag. But, you know, we couldn't, uh, like we were talking and stuff, but we couldn't do anything until I was, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, get serious or we weren't going to get serious or anything unless we knew it was going to happen with my sentencing. You know, I'm going to go to prison and have a wife, you know, you know, whatever. But You're still facing federal charges. Yeah, still facing some time. Right. I was facing, you know, 10 to 20 years. They wanted to give me, it was going to be a minimum of 10. So um, I was waiting around, waiting around, doing what I was doing, you know, keeping myself clean, staying busy, staying busy. Finally got sentenced, man. It was it was February or it was December ninth, two thousand sixteen. I want to say no, it'd have been fifteen. And um, the judge says, "Look, just go ahead and get on with your life, man." And everybody showed up. The pastor showed up, you know. Some people from the church all showed up. They'd never seen anything like it. They'd never seen people drive 100 miles for somebody's trial, for somebody's sentencing. And um, there was all God sent, man. I'm telling you, I got I ended up getting house arrest, which they said up to 18 months. They took it off in two months. And it could have been jail time. It could have been 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. Okay. I got three years probation and random drug tests, which is which is fine. You know, nothing I wasn't doing already. Um, but I tell you what, talk about a prayer answering God, a good God, man. Amen. Oh, man. And when I think back on it, it's it's like, like I said, the pieces of the puzzle that God was putting in place. The plan was already in place, man. I was just, it was just up to me, you know, to to just just keep His will in my life, man, just, and just keep praying. And but I'll tell you what, what a God we serve. I tell you what, man, right. it does. He works wonders in my life. So since then, I, you know, started my own business, subcontracting, subcontracting business. I've uh, I've gotten married. I got a beautiful wife. Um, my family's bigger than it was before. I got a full house again. You know, I had this I had this empty house that was miserable to be in. You know, right, right. She's got she's got it cleaned up. You know, looking good again, <laughs> man. Things doing pretty good. Um, so you 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 have your two sons back. Yeah, my both my boys are back now. Um, Plus uh, an inherited son, another son. Yes, and then uh, and we got things are happening, man. Things are. Things are happening for me, and God's. I don't. I mean, it's it's God's grace, man, right. and mercy. Because I don't deserve any of this at all. I mean, right. like I said, it's nothing I did or didn't do. It's all God's mercy and grace. And uh, I just, I, I just thank God every day for the opportunity to worship, to worship Him and praise Him and live live in the country I live in. You know, right, um, right. Where these things are possible. What a what an awesome awesome testimony, man. I mean. We got a guy over here in the studio who's like about to move to tears. You know, this is this is this is God doing what God does and and, and changing lives. How God changes life. Um, do you, you know, uh, Kyle? Do you would you do you have any recommendations for somebody maybe that's in a lifestyle like this right now that you came out of? You know, this drugs and this you know bad situation, bad family, you know whatnot. Do you have any recommendations for them tonight that are listening? 
Well, I mean, what I would say, you know, as advice or from experience, you know, find something to keep yourself busy if you really want to get clean. Because the first step is wanting. Okay, you got to want it. Just like, you know, just like if people want to be healed, do you want Jesus to heal you? You know, but if you don't, it's not going to happen. So, first off, get to where you where you want to be, okay, and then after that, keep yourself busy. Go to church, you know, stay in your Bible and pray, um, and put the faith where it belongs. Because I mean, it's this it's not in anybody or anything. It's it's in God all all the way, right? Um, so and then, as far as and, and miracles do happen, I mean, my son has now got the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus' name. So I mean, there's. A, there was an opportunity to break the cycle of the drug addiction in my family, and, and we're trying to do it, man. And we're, and we're it's happening. You're God's doing, doing it, man. Yeah. I ain't doing. It. I mean, God's doing. It. It's the yeah, power absolutely. of God. Um, absolutely. And I, I, I want. I have a, a one scripture here. And sure. I think you're going to sure. ask me what my favorite scripture is too, and this is one of them. Cal, what's your favorite scripture? This, well, Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That was Romans fifteen thirteen. Yes, sir. That's my. All that's right. probably my favorite. Praise God, praise God. What, what an awesome story tonight. We we filled up our time. This is incredible. We could actually. There's so many more details. We could, we could just keep going on tonight. But we serve a good God. And I, I was thinking tonight while, uh, you know, before the program here, I was trying to you know just come up with a scripture and just found a phenomenal scripture. You know, Second Peter three nine. You know, it says. Um, you know, uh, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, it's phenomenal. God, you know, Kyle, this is your life. You know, God, it wasn't, he wasn't willing that you would, you know, you would perish. You would die lost, you know, but he was long suffering for you. Amen. You know, you know, God's, God's done some great things in your life. And, uh, tonight we're going to, we're going to close this here in just a, just a couple minutes. But this has been the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast. Uh, we're going to have Kyle close in prayer in just a couple minutes. We're going to give out some information here. But uh, this, like I said, this has been the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast. We're on from 8.06 to 9.06 Mountain Time every Sunday night. Um, we are from the New Life Pentecostal Church. We're located right here in Dickinson at 105 7th Avenue West. Again, the New Life Pentecostal Church, 105 7th Avenue West, Dickinson, North Dakota. Church phone number 701-264-7862. If you need to get a hold of us, you can call us there, or you can email us at robertsimons58 at gmail.com. That's our pastor's email address. Uh, we'd like to invite you. Our next service is going to be Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. You are invited. Sunday mornings, 10 o'clock, Sunday school. Uh, and then 11 o'clock is our worship service on Sunday mornings. If you need a ride, give us a call, 701-264-7862. And if you have any questions or comments uh, for the remainder of the broadcast, uh, 701-225-5133 is the number you can call us in studio or text those questions or comments to 701-290-7862. Uh, Brother Kyle, would you would you lead us in prayer, you know, for the people maybe struggling out there with the same same issue and just you know they need God and God can do it. So, oh Jesus, um, we just ask that you can be in our lives and we just praise your name. We just ask you to be with those out there struggling and looking for a new life. Help them to see the light and to gather themselves and find the courage to take the steps needed to break their their, their chains of addiction or, or or gambling or whatever it may be. And we just thank you so much for the, the work you've done in our lives and. 
the blessings we know about and the ones we don't. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, this has been the Tell Like It Is radio broadcast here tonight. We will be back. Uh, Pastor Simons will be back next week, Lord willing. God bless you. always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website www.holyghostradio.com The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.